Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Well Endowed Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Bonkink. Andrew is still away, so we have another special guest host with us. Hi, Florence. Hi, everyone. I'm Florence Ukiola. I am an accountant in the finance department of Edmonton Community Foundation. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. And we love having you with us. This podcast is brought to you by Edmonton Community Foundation, and we're a proud affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. Edmonton is full of generous donors who have created endowment funds at ECF. These funds generate money to support charities in Edmonton and beyond. On this podcast, we share stories from the spaces where endowments and community intersect because it's good to be well endowed. Our meme contest is back and it's time to vote for your faves. What's the contest? Well, it's the annual ECF meme contest, and I'm sure you're familiar with some of the most popular memes. You know, Side-Eyed Girl, Good Guy Rick, LOL Cats, Irma Gerd, Bad Luck Brian, Success Kid, the list goes on. Well, charities are invited to find and create a meme that captures the spirit of the work that the organization does. So if you want to vote for this, go to ECF's Facebook page and like to vote. Voting ends April 8 at noon, and the meme with the most likes gets $1,000. Second thousand will be awarded to a staff choice. I love this contest because charities in Edmonton are very creative. Even if you haven't submitted a meme or you don't know of a charity that has, please be sure to go in and like your favorites. And we have one more thing to share before we jump into the show. Yes, we've officially surpassed 10,000 downloads. Woot, woot. Amazing. Sounds like a good reason to celebrate. And we definitely will celebrate. Listeners, we're having a party. It'll be on April 18th here at Edmonton Community Foundation. It'll be a casual gathering, so you are welcome to come by between 5 and 8. Please RSVP if you'd like to attend, so we can get an idea for numbers. You can RSVP by emailing Lisa Pruding at lprudin at ecfoundation.org. And of course, we'll post all the party details and a link to the RSVP email in our show notes. So Elizabeth... It looks like we have another adventure to share. We do. Today is a special feature about Jasper Place Health and Wellness. They might just be the biggest hidden gem in our city. This organization is all about helping vulnerable and marginalized individuals. That's right. And they do that by offering a range of services and opportunities for people to access. It's an incredible number of services and opportunities, as a matter of fact. So many that we've created a show just to highlight just a few of them. You're going to hear about assessing health care with dignity, the importance of gathering with others to learn a new skill, and how meeting employees where they are can change lives. You will also find out what it sounds like to recycle a mattress. We're pretty excited to share this with you. I was in studio and on site with Murray Soroka. So I'm Murray Soroka, and I'm the Chief Executive Officer of the Jasper Place Wellness Centre. To explore some of the divisions that Jasper Place Health and Wellness has to offer, Murray told us how it all got started. It is an interesting story, that's for sure. Jasper Place Wellness Centre started in 2006, officially. But before that, the uh, you know I live in that community, and other community members and faith communities were quite alarmed about the rise of homelessness in the area and the lack of support services, not just for homeless, but uh, for vulnerable populations 
altogether. And uh, a lot of newcomers, a lot of Indigenous people living in the area, and people weren't uh, able to access services that were readily available for the same population downtown. So they felt there was a need to create something. So we uh, rented a building on Stony Plain Road, and uh, our goal was to have coffee with people. We really didn't know much more of that. We were quite naive at the time, I believe, and we just wanted to create relationships and develop relationships with community members and have a community spot where people could come and access resources or be directed to resources. So it started very organically and uh, had and grew out of that. So you said you didn't really want to have any programs, but now there's quite a number of programs as an offshoot. Do you want to give us a quick overview of what those are? Yes, we are program-driven now. So we have five major divisions, and one is housing, of course. Um, we are part of the Housing First uh, program here in Edmonton, but we also have a Kenora Place, a permanent-supported housing facility, and are looking to build another one. Um, we have a medical clinic, so health care is very important to us. So we have doctors working for us and providing uh, primary care uh, to people in the community. Anybody in the community can come. Uh, we have employment or social enterprise. So employment's important. People need to be able to access employment at, as they need it. So some, you know, it's not about just having lots of jobs, but jobs that are flexible and meet the needs of the people as much as the people need the jobs. So that's important. Um, food program, Food for Good is our food security initiative. We're trying to find something in between a grocery store and a food bank and what does that look like and how preventive we can be around food. And then education is a, a really f a firm foundation of what we do. And it all culminates, we believe, in creating wellness for our community. As you can hear already with five divisions, Jasper Place Health and Wellness has a lot going on. So I went over to their center at 156th Street and 108 Ave to help get a sense of what happens there. As we arrived, we saw that we're right beside the West Jasper Place Transit Station. And there was quite a bit of activity as we entered the building. Hey, how are you? The education branch of Jasper Place Health and Wellness is impressive. They have a weekly drop-in session where you can learn skills on how to file your taxes, computer skills, literacy. They even have a drop-in time to help people fill out forms. They also offer programs for grief, mental health, and have a men's and family support groups. And there's more. Seriously, it's worth checking out on their website, jpwc.ca. But for this visit, we dropped in on their weekly art session. Hi. Hey, Mark. How are you? Good. Good to see you. We just yeah. wanted to come in and see how what's going on in the art drop-in today. Oh. Uh, Whose pots. birthday? Flower pots. Oh, oh congrats. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Karen. Happy birthday to you. So you're painting flower pots for spring? Yes, and we're doing Easter eggs after we do the flower pots, and then we'll plant our flower pots after the Easter eggs. Hi, my name is Deborah. I'm the art teacher at Jasper Place Wellness Center. Do you do a different project every week? Yes. Um, we sometimes carry over into a second week. Uh, for example, Easter eggs will be four weeks just because they're the Ukrainian style oh, that have wonderful. to sit in the dye for a while. And how many people normally come out to our class? Well, or we're our, full, art, 10, 
10. Sometimes a, a couple more squeak in and they're not supposed to, but we have 10. <laughs> and you meet every Wednesday. Yes. And who's welcome to come? Anybody in the community. Anybody is welcome. So we have people that are seniors and people that uh, might be experiencing homelessness, people that live in the community um, and part of this community. So it's really, And some people travel a long ways even to come here. Does anyone want to tell us why they like coming? I like coming because of Debbie. Oh. <laughs> I want to explore more my uh, uh, artistic. Uh, being artistic and also, yeah, I enjoy uh, doing this. So, yeah, I love uh, painting and yeah, doing some more activities here and then meeting people. And yeah, especially Mori, if I see her, I'm, I'm so happy. <laughs> Yeah, my name is Terry, and I like art because I. Before I came to this class, I didn't believe I could do any art, and now I'm painting and I'm doing a good job, and is and it's lots of fun. <laughs> Thanks. I'm Denise. I'm a stay-at-home mom, work from home, and um, I just started coming and. I haven't really done a lot of art in quite a few years, but I find it very positive atmosphere here and it's creative and it's good for me to get out of the house and just meet a few people and get out. So, yeah. <laughs> so that was the art drop-in session, which happens every Wednesday from 1 to 3 p.m. And that is just one example of the many programs available at Jasper Place Health and Wellness. Their education division is really interesting, but there was more to see. Next up, we wanted to find out more about what the Jasper Place folks do around social enterprise, business that's about building community and supporting employees. Can you talk to us a little bit about what some of the social enterprises are and why you started them? To begin with, we started them because we saw a need with uh, people that we were supporting in the community through housing. Um, that people needed meaningful daily activity, but also an income. And uh, uh, people wanted to get back to work and, and, and do something with their hands. So uh, Kenora Place was a really impetus for us to say, okay, we need uh, employment for people. Uh, we have 30 people in this building, and a lot of them want to do something. So we just started out very organically with a couple of snow shovels and a lawnmower in the summer. And then we added a pickup truck and a trailer and started a junk removal company. So today we have, a, like I said, a junk removal company, a bin rental company, a moving company, a furniture store, a mattress recycling company, a renovation company, and a development company. That seems to be a lot, and <laughs> which is pretty amazing. So how many, how many people are you employing? Uh, you know, uh, with the mattress recycling, it can really fluctuate uh, around how mattresses are coming in, and we're getting a broader reach. We are now Western Canada's largest mattress recycler. Excellent. Uh, we are environmentally um, proud or proud of our, envi our environmental record. We won an Emerald Award uh, for environmental excellence, so we're very proud of that. So it can range between 40 to 60 people. And one of the things that you look to do is make sure that there's a livable wage there. Absolutely. Everyone gets a living wage and uh, health care benefits. So there's that extra health care benefits that people really need to access outside of just uh, our regular health care, especially around prescription drugs. Also, uh, there's an incentive program, too. So people can earn more than just a living wage if they want to. So our average wage is close to about $18 an hour. 
That's pretty good. But it's also more than that, isn't it? It's also um, being a little bit more understanding as an employer and that kind of thing as well. Absolutely. And that's the tension we deal with. We are running for-profit businesses, competing in a for-profit world with uh, regular businesses. So our junk removal is going up against 1-800-JUNK or 310-JUNK or any other junk company you can think of. We're competing with them. And we're competing with them with a different workforce, maybe not a skilled workforce and uh, workforce that has maybe some uh, special needs. So it's a tension we work with every day, how to deliver great service for a great competitive price with the um, right ability to pay people properly and, and meet the needs of those people. So some people can only work six hours a day. Some people can only work eight hours twice a week. So there's that tension between giving the right employment and also meeting the needs of our customers. So some of the things they might be dealing with could be drug or alcohol addictions or um, health issues, that kind of thing. But really what they're doing is resume building. Yeah, that's part of it. Absolutely. Uh, Many people come in and are even youth and uh, people that have been out of the workforce for a long time or never been in the workforce before and learning how to uh, work in a job environment, you know, understanding what a coffee break really means and a lunch break means and being on time and clocking in and clocking out. So there's all those skills you're developing, but also managing people's addictions and mental illnesses while they're working. Um, You know, so I have an example where we've uh, fired a guy four times now. It means we've hired him three times, (laughs) which is really good. But it's that tension between creating a a good customer service and a profitable business and still looking after the needs of your employees. The Social Enterprise Division of Jasper Place Health and Wellness is called Redemptive Developments. They're actually a social enterprise that has been supported by SEF, the Social Enterprise Fund. You might remember hearing all about SEF on our show when we spoke to their executive director, Jane Bisbee. That was back on episode 31 if you want to listen back. In short, they provide patient capital for businesses like Redemptive Developments. Here's Bretton Hammond. My name is Bretton Hammond. I am the Director of Business Development with Redemptive Developments. He spoke to me about their work. And so uh, together with my brother, actually, we oversee the, the day-to-day operations and uh, growth of all of our social enterprises. What does Re- Redemptive Developments do? That is a can of worms. Redemptive Developments does a lot. So here today we are at our mattress recycling facility. So Redemptive Developments' mission is to generate sustainable social enterprises which offer meaningful employment and entry-level employment as well as generating proceeds for our our charitable programming. And um, here at our facility here we also have an environmental mission that we are striving to reduce the amount of waste that we're putting into our landfills and doing that in very large volumes and um, a very high percent. So about 85% of all mattresses that come to this facility and get recycled and, and removed from landfills. I happen to know that some of your other things that you do with Redemptive Developments, there's also Junk for Good yes. and um, uh, Salvage Shop, is that correct? Exactly, yep. So Junk for Good is our nonprofit junk removal service. So we offer that into the community for residential and commercial customers. And um, Salvage Reclaimed Furniture is our gently used furniture store located on Stony Plain Road in the West End. And, and bin rentals. So the, the junk removal side offers nonprofit bin rentals for contractors and um, just general public. And the newest of all is our renovation side. So 
we have been working with uh, a nonprofit organization in Edmonton that has thousands of suites that they they offer for rent for marginal demographic or marginalized demographic, and um, they're all low income. And so when uh, a client moves out of a suite, they need to renovate it and, and spruce it up, repair certain things. And so we have started a renovation company to to do a lot of those. There's thousands a year. So is your renovation services available to anyone? So could somebody call up and say, hey, I need new flooring? Yes. Yes. So we started in the commercial space, but absolutely we're capable to do really anything, anything household and, and as far as household renovations. Of course, we wanted to see the mattress recycling in action, so Breton offered to take us into their warehouse to see the team at work and to meet one of their staff. Okay, so I'm Caleb uh, Chadwick, and I run the power table. And this machine, it takes apart the box springs. So once the crew has taken apart the mattresses, I take apart the box springs with this machine, and it, and it strips the metal from the wood. Here's what Caleb's machine sounds like. How long have you been working at this at the mattress recycling plant? Uh, almost two years now. I think it's coming up April fifth. I think it is. And yeah, how, that's great. How how is this employment different than anything else you've had? Um, it's just um, it feels more consistent, and I've. I feel more trusted here, I guess, than anywhere I've been before. Like other jobs I've been with, uh, it, it's never really worked out. And this place has been really good to me. And it's, I don't know, it's, they've always had my back kind of thing. And it's, it's been really good. And yeah, before I worked here, I didn't have any job for like over six months. And I couldn't find anything. And this was the first place to offer me a job. And so... It was really rewarding, so yeah. And two years, that's a that's yeah. pretty telling in itself. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, so have you been doing the same thing the whole time? Um, mostly that, but before that I was on, I was taking apart the mattresses and all that too, so I kind of worked my way up to get to the position that I'm at now, so. Seeing the mattresses get recycled was really cool. And again, it's just one of the examples of the kind of work that redemptive development does. Remember, if you're looking for some renovation services, these are good folks to know. Of the five divisions of Jasper Place Health and Wellness offers, we've seen an art drop-in from their education division. And on the social enterprise front, we've learned about redemptive developments in their mattress recycling business. We don't have time to highlight every single division, but we do want to share one more with you, the medical clinic. Let me introduce you to Henry Mota. And I'm Henry Mota, the Chief Operating Officer for Jasper Place Wellness Center. Henry spoke to me about how the clinic got started. Well, um, long time ago, I think it was five years ago, we were looking at starting a, a family care clinic. So we have all the process done and we have the board and everything, but it, that uh, came to an end. But still, when, because we were looking at starting something unique in the West End, the PCN, which, which we are members of the PCN, the Edmonton West PCN, they told us that we should start a pilot project to see what were the needs of the community. So we did that for a year. And through that process, we discovered that, our, that we, we had a lot of community members that needed health care and, and the needs were complex. So after that year, they said, why not you start a clinic? And we were in a small place. We were thinking, okay, we are going to put divisions or compartments to make more space for different uh, examination rooms. And, 
But then at the end, we were able to find a, a good place with those divisions already there, which examination rooms and everything just uh, ready for a clinic. And, uh, and now we are looking at uh, the population that we are seeing. All of them, or the majority of them, have very complex needs. And that's what we want to do. We want to make sure that those people with complex needs, not only them, but community at large, they will be able to come to our clinic and experience a good care system of health. How many doctors do you have now? We have two doctors and two MOAs, medical office assistants. And uh, we are planning to definitely grow. So um, what is it about the need of these individuals that makes them so complex? Uh, definitely co-occurring disorders, so uh, mental health and addictions, and then different, uh, different other medical issues like diabetes and uh, heart problems and anything that, that, that is, uh, um, it is more than just one uh, disease or, or one uh, situation. It is complex because they bring uh, uh, just different things together, and the way that doctors have to approach the healthcare for them is different. And also what we do is instead of spending, the doctors are spending only like five minutes with them, they will spend 15 to 20 minutes to make sure that they go over uh, their history well, and then they can provide the, the healthcare that they need at that level. If I'm understanding correctly, too, that maybe some of these folks have been on the street for a while and maybe they haven't seen a doctor in a while. Is that complicating things? Yeah, some of them. Yeah. So like some, an, an example will be like somebody that has been on the streets for 10 years. They haven't visited a doctor. They probably have gone to an emergency uh, room. Uh, but the, 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 the continuous uh, health care that they need hasn't been there. Okay, so that that's really great that they are actually um, finally seeing healthcare and that kind of thing. Do you mm -hmm. think this is taking away some of the emergency expenses that are happening in the city? So this is actually, you know, keeping the care where they need it rather mm -hmm. than... Yeah, there is a lot of uh, costs uh, associated with uh, people accessing emergency services, period. So now that we have about 500 uh, patients in our clinic, uh, I we right now we don't have the, all the data that says all, uh, all 500 patients are not going to the emergency, emergency room. But we believe that a great uh, portion of that of that population is not going to uh, the emergency room. So the costs, benefits for the city are are large. The medical clinic is right in Jasper Place Health and Wellness Center, the same place we were at for the art drop-in. Murray, who we heard from earlier in the show, invited us to see the space and to learn more about what they do at the facility. So this is the treatment room. So right now we're in the treatment room. So if you come in with maybe... I don't know, something in your eye or a cut or a wound, uh, this is where we'll treat you in this room. We also work with the University of Alberta uh, nursing students, so third-year nursing students will come in and do their practicum here. We have pharmacy students doing their practicum here. We have occupational therapists doing their practicum here. So it's really a learning facility as well. Uh, last year we had almost 30 different students uh, work out of Jasper Place Wellness Centre in, in various fields doing that work. So I was going to ask about um, patients. How, what's your patient capacity here? That's a good question. So we started a year and a half ago with 65 patients. We're over 700 patients now, 18 wow. months later. And, and we believe we'll be at 1,400 patients at this point last year. So we are uh, working with another doctor who she wants to um, be more involved. This is really something that she has a passion for, working with complex patients. Uh, complex healthcare isn't easy healthcare. 
can be very difficult because of the uh, mental health and addictions and the poverty and the homelessness. And it, sometimes, um, you know, you, get a, you don't get a lot of people coming back for their appointments. Or, and we get a lot of people missing their appointments, so we also just have a, a walk-in, too, so you can walk in and see a doctor. We asked Murray if we could meet one of the physicians, and he flagged down Dr. Shakad Kibria. Hi, my name is Dr. Shakad Kibria. I'm a physician working at Jasper Place Wellness Center. So how long have you been with the clinic? I think we started this clinic, well, probably three years ago at a different location as a pilot, and uh, it's grown into a full-on clinic, so... I would say we've been in this location two years almost. And you've been with Jasper Place since the beginning of the clinic? Yes. We started it as a pilot, just more out of a research project where we were just wanting to look at the health status of some of the vulnerable populations that were attending at Jasper Place. And uh, once we kind of learned more about the needs, then we grew it into a clinic. What kind of unique challenges are you finding with this type of clinic? Well, the patients are uh, have interesting needs, right? They're, they Not only do they have the needs of what most of us actually need in terms of medical care, but there's usually complexities in terms of their social functioning, their uh, actual social context of, of where they're living, how their uh, financial situation is, and, you know, other, other issues, whether it's like uh, substance use disorders, alcoholism, uh, mental health, uh, geriatrics, and lack of social supports, really, in terms of, you know, having close family and friends and so on. So that makes it a unique challenge. Um, and interestingly enough, it's, it is it is like a regular clinic in some senses. These are still patients that are just like you and I, and they have all the same basic needs. And to be honest with you, when they actually develop trust that you're actually looking for their best benefit, they they come and they, they trust everything that you're willing to do for them. And that's probably the biggest boundary is developing trust. So once you have their trust and they're coming, are they coming on a regular basis? They do. They do. And, you know, because of their social context, sometimes because of transportation issues, because of communication issues in terms of having, you know, a phone and a home and so on, uh, we... We enable the patient to come in as many times as they need, right? And we prefer that because we'd rather have proper follow-up. Education in, in terms of what's happening with them is paramount in the sense that uh, their their issues are complex like we talked about. So it requires multiple visits. It requires us to talk through a lot of things and understand what, what their barriers are in terms of dealing with their issues. So uh, we do. We accommodate their them coming to the clinic very often. Uh, could you say that one of the things, well, and maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, but one of the, the benefits of a clinic like this is that there's less stress on the emergency systems? That's what we're, one of our underlying goals. Um, you know, right now the emergency de- uh, department and accessing emergency care is kind of the default. Um, there's a lot of barriers in terms of vulnerable populations accessing medical care because, like we talked about, transportation uh, the complexity of their needs. It's easier for uh, when you're in that type of situation as a patient to deal with things from a day-to-day basis, right? So emergency services become the natural way of accessing things because you just need things that day or something has happened that day that you need medical care. Um, we And that's why we allow for patients to come in as often as they need so that we can try to prevent that from 
being the way of how healthcare services are accessed. Um, and in in the same breath, we pr- we try to do preventative therapies, right? So that we try to teach patients not to go to emergency. We try to uh, manage patients so that they are able to be they're comfortable to wait till the to see the doctor at a at a clinic, and as well as pre- do treatments that you know normally they don't access that allows them to not get into emergency situations. Um, in your view, what is something that you think this community needs from everyone else, or this clinic needs from everyone else? Well, that's a loaded question. <laughs> I could almost say everything, <laughs> but. Uh, to be honest with you, the you know the immediate needs is is there's an overwhelming need for uh, treating these patients. So the initial need is really manpower. We don't have enough people that are actually interested in doing these types of services. Um, if we had more doctors, more clinics that actually did this, then it would it, you know it wouldn't feel like an overwhelming need. So that would probably be the immediate stuff. Uh, I mean, when and then when you start talking about that, then you start to talk about, well, you need facilities, you need money. Uh, So almost everything. (laughs) It was great to hear about the care and dignity patients at the medical clinic receive. We've been sharing these branches in short segments, which might give the impression that they are separate from each other. But one of the coolest things about Jasper Place Health and Wellness is how interwoven all the divisions are. The medical clinic is used by the employees of Redemptive Developments and is in the same building as the education drop-in sessions. So if you're coming to paint, you can also make an appointment with a physician. And there are two other branches we weren't able to get to see, just due to time. Those are the Housing First program and Food for Good. These also help people with shelter and food security, along with access to health, education, and employment. The folks at Jasper Place Health and Wellness are all about seeing you as a whole person with complex and simultaneous needs, and they're ready to meet you wherever you're at. After learning all about this, I was back in the studio with Murray Soroka and Henry Mota. Now that you have the health clinic and you have employment and housing on the go, what's next for you? Um, I think that if it is for the, the social enterprise, definitely we want to grow the development and construction company, uh, no doubt. We want to be the, uh, the company that builds the majority of pr- uh, permanent support, supportive housing units in Edmonton, if possible. You know, we always shoot for something high, you know, and uh, we have high hopes for those things. So uh, we believe that we have the right staff. We have a uh, civil engineer and um, a, a construction manager, and right now we are working on some renovations projects. But uh, we want to be uh, the company that builds permanent supportive housing and affordable housing in in, in Edmonton. Now, uh, I'll, right now, what we are working on is the food for good and the community food center that we want to build. We already bought a site uh, in uh, Stony Plain Road and One Fifty Third Avenue. And, uh, yeah, it was a pawn shop, and uh, we are going to renovate it, or I don't know, maybe we are going to do, just demolish it and then just build something new. But we believe that that will be a, a, a good place for people to come, get uh, get together, and, and just learn different skills about food and advocacy and leadership and making sure that, that there is resiliency that we de- uh, develop in the lives of people so that they can take over not, not only their own lives, but then their neighborhood. And I think that that, that that is going to bring a vibrancy to where we are at now. So the food for good also, um, Murray had said it was between a grocery store and a and sort food of bank. a food bank, right? But there's there's more involved to that as, in, as well, isn't there? There's like cooking classes, there's 
community. There's gathering places. It's a market, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's all of those things. And it's really important to view food and food security through the lens of relationships and community. So it's really about uh, building community through relationships over food. And definitely we have to engage people differently around food resiliency, around uh, how to cook, no- food knowledge, food you know, experience around food, safe food handling, uh, how to cook different things and how to in- uh, increase uh, people's intake of vegetables and fruit. And the knowledge skill isn't there in a lot of communities and it's not there in a lot of homes. So it, uh, food security is... Um, more than just a food bank, I think, is what we're trying to say. We're not against food banks. We believe food banks are very important. They have their role in society, unfortunately, but they do, and we need them. But we need something before food banks around prevention and, and being able to help people learn how to cook, how to grow food. So we have 40 community gardens we've started in the last few years, and people are really learning the vibrancy of cooking and understanding cooking food, uh, or growing food, excuse me, and then... Um, the knowledge base of being able to come into a kitchen and learn how to process food and how to handle food safely and how to build many meals out of one chicken and that kind of thing. So it's really about a skill level. We really want to focus on youth and, and have youth get excited about food. And we really believe it'll strengthen our community for a long time to come. Uh, if people eat well, They'll uh, do better in life. They'll make better decisions and, and move for it further in education. So I think from a long-term perspective, a community food center will really bring a lot of wellness to our community. Um, th- this is kind of near and dear to my heart because of vital signs. And our first vital sign was actually around food security. And, you know, we've talked at that time about the best way to improve your food security is to take that into your own hands and do things like growing your own food. or um, And community gardens were few and far between at that time. And mm-hmm. now, you know, there's many, many more in the city. And um, and we definitely have your organization to thank for some of well, that. Well, yeah. So. And, you know, <laughs> just to interrupt, uh, um, we got a Vital Foods, uh, Vital Science grant. That's what really got Food for Good going was a, uh, an Edmonton Community Foundation grant uh, four years ago uh, based on that Vital Science to explore the opportunity of doing food differently in our community. So it was, it was really powerful that Vital Science that came out and us grabbing onto that and making an application to do something in our community. And now look what it's growing into. What I wanted to ask next is, um, so you, you've got some plans for improvement. What, what changes have you seen in the community that, from the things that you've done? I don't know if it's, we can directly atta- uh, uh, say that it's from what we've done, but we have seen our community become more vibrant, uh, stronger, uh, there's less homelessness, and that's not just our community. I think all of Edmonton has experienced that because of the Housing First program. Um, but we, definitely employment opportunities. Our, our social enterprise puts a million dollars worth of payroll right back into the community every year. That's powerful for us. That's incredibly powerful. And now they're accessing health care in a different way, the food security, the education. So we definitely see a healthier community in West Edmonton, and we're just excited about the future, how healthy can we get. What can others do to help you do your work? Oh, definitely come alongside us with the Food for Good. Uh, that's really uh, volunteer-driven. That whole program is driven by many uh, volunteers in the community that are giving their heart and mind and soul and body to this initiative. And we need volunteers to help us with that. Uh, fundraising, obviously, it's going to take a lot of money to start the Community Food Centre. 
we're hoping to raise in our capital campaign $2.6 million to pay for the land, pay for the renovation, and get some operating capital so we can get it going. So I think there's a lot of ways people can get involved. Um, what if they just want to use your services? Absolutely. That's what we're there for. And most of it's based right now out of the community health center or the community center on uh, 100th, 100th A Avenue and 156th Street. That's where we're located, right next to the bus terminal. And in a year from now, we'll be moving a lot of our services over to the new community food center so they can access us there. They can um, look for, go to uh, redemptive developments online and get a, and see if there's a job available. We're always hiring. Uh, so there's many ways that people can access our services. And and if they need things moved or things recycled, Absolutely. they should be giving you a call. Exactly. If you need junk removal, it's junk for good. So we'll have all the links to all of the social enterprises that you guys are involved with on in our show notes. So if anybody is interested and wants to find out more, they can certainly click there. Is there anything else you'd like to add? I'm just really thankful for the Edmonton Community Foundation and the, and the role they played in helping us develop our food program. Yeah, thank you uh, to the Social Enterprise Fund for all the support that we have had through the years and in, in initiating our social enterprise. Thanks so much to Murray Soroka and to all the people at Jasper Place Health and Wellness who took the time to speak with us. They really are an amazing organization. Be sure to check out their website, jphw.ca. There were many voices to share on this episode, and you know what that means? Links. As always, check our show notes to find out more about the great services that Jasper Place Health and Wellness has to offer. Their education programs, housing, medical clinic, food for good, and of course their social enterprises. They are doing a lot of good work to build and support their community. Be sure to check it out. And that brings us to the end of the show. Thanks so much for listening. It means a lot. It really does. Thanks especially to Hannah, who reached out to let us know that one of our links had stopped working. That's right. For episode 14, our link to the Truth and Reconciliation recommendations died. And Anna gave us a heads up to get that fixed. Thanks for that, Anna. And we had a new listener reach out to Atis J. Thompson sent us a note to say hi. If you're curious, you can see her artwork at jillthompson.com. She has some fantastic paintings representing communities throughout Alberta, including some familiar scenes from our hometown here in Edmonton. We we'll love hearing from our listeners. You can contact us through our website, thewellendowedpodcast.com, or on our Facebook page. We hope you've enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please share it with your friends and leave us a review on iTunes. Those iTunes reviews really help other folks to find out about the show, and you can also follow us on our Facebook. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. We've been your hosts, Elizabeth Bonking and Florence Zuckola. Until next time. The Well Endowed Podcast is produced by Edmonton Community Foundation and is an affiliate member of the Alberta Podcast Network. The show is edited by Lisa Pruden. You can visit our website at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And follow us on Twitter at the ECF. Our theme music is by Octavo Productions. And as always, don't forget to visit Edmonton Community Foundation at ecfoundation.org. Well Endowed.